When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belbit DeVoe. Yours truly is yourself. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India RE. Oh, much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Amarosa just won a huge lawsuit against her former friend and boss, Donald Trump. She's here to talk about it. Plus, Georgia Democrats just flipped seven seats blue in their November elections. We're talking to the man who's trying to win Marjorie Taylor Greene's seat and get her kicked out of Congress. Cafe Mocha begins now. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Down the it's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo. Uh, Lonnie, I yes. heard from a friend that you were off in Puerto Rico somewhere. What you what you doing traveling during a pandemic? Uh, first of all, I went to one of the, the island that has the least COVID yes. and the highest, highest vaccination. vaccination rate. It was Puerto Rico. And I did it because I was working. I have a new sitcom called The Gordita Chronicles. And they're filming over there in Puerto Rico. So the only reason why I traveled was one, because Puerto Rico is very safe. You yeah. get off that plane, they, you got to have a vaccination card and you got to have a negative test. So, nice. you know, or if you, and you have to, they won't let you out the airport unless, you know, you go through, um, you load up your information into the, uh, to the system to show that you've been, uh, you're negative tested. So I've been over there twice. Um, and, um, that's the reason why I was over there. And I, and I think that people need to understand when you travel is a certain way that you travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I carry, like, everybody was laughing and Naomi Campbell, when she had all of that, <laughs> she had on a whole suit the and gloves suit. And, and, and shields and stuff. I don't go that far, but I do carry a lot of disinfectant. I carry a lot of uh, uh, wipes. Um, I make sure to disinfect everywhere, especially when I get on a plane and the, the seat rest, the head mm-hmm. rest, because people are always coughing on that and slobby. And all that kind of stuff. And they and the, and, the, and if you go on certain airlines, they're very clean. They make sure to sanitize. All of them should, but mm-hmm. it's an extra step. I make sure I do that, and I double mask up. I do take my ginger shots, all that kind of stuff. And then I also make sure that um, you know I take a COVID test when I come back, just you know, just in case um, anything has happened. But I load up on vitamin C, my zinc all that kind of stuff. And, you know, knock on wood, praise God, I have not caught COVID yet. So, um, you know, it's it's just the way we got to travel now. So since we've been talking about traveling and COVID and whatever, uh, what are the holiday plans for you guys? Yo, yo, are you traveling? She in Arkansas. So you know the answer (laughs) to that. Well, I mean, I know um, last year I did not, 
uh, travel because of COVID. Um, but I feel safe enough now um, with, you know, precautions to travel. So I will be taking a New Year's trip because oh, I nice. that's I normally do that. So I'm, I'm going to um, go to Hawaii. I just want to, you know, be at an ocean and go to a luau and just start the new year off just <laughs> in a different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Angelique? I'm going to go and, and be with the family, either New York or Florida. We're going to hang out and mostly everybody is vaccinated now. Mm. It was a problem during the summer where most of them weren't vaccinated. Um, So, you know, now that people have gotten their shots, I -hmm. feel a lot more comfortable going over there. Got the N95 mask. You know, everywhere I go, Lonnie, forget being on a plane. I got my Lysol wipes. I got my spray Lysol. I got my hand sanitizer every time I'm in sort of. Oh, you are one of those, huh? Yeah, every, no, every time I'm in one of those group settings, it's always outside, but I'll take my politely, not in an intrusive way, take my little uh, hand sanitizer, the peppermint or the eucalyptus spray. And I just put it in, in the middle of the table. And I, and, but first I squirt my hands and rub it in and they can hit, <laughs> smell the effervescent peppermint and I put it in the middle. If oh anybody God. wants hand sanitizer, oh it works like a charm. There's never not a single person that doesn't pick up that hand sanitizer, spray, 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 rub it in. And then I feel a little bit more comfortable because I know your hands ain't dirty. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, Woody, well, are you traveling, yo-yo, for the holidays? Christmas is my mother's birthday. And Aww. let me tell you, she is the biggest celebrity of our family and if you don't give her a big bash, a surprise bash, bash <laughs> matter of fact, she wants a surprise birthday bash at her house. Um, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate my mother, bring in the new year with family. Are we allowed to say how old she is? I know a lady sh- shouldn't tell her my, age. So. Oh, you know what? You, if you was to ask my mother, she would say I'm 18 with a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> KBLA Talk 1580 on the way. Omarosa knows exactly how to stop Trump. She's next. It's Cafe Mocha. I'm Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo. On the line, we have Omarosa. Welcome back to Cafe Mocha. I'm so glad to be back. How's everybody? We're doing good. I heard you was over doing a, where were you, in the UK, doing Celebrity Big Brother? (laughs) Yes, I went over (laughs) to, um, first of all, thanks for having me. I went to Australia, actually, and I did my 112th reality show. It was called Big Brother VIP. Wow. And how was that? Because that was with Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, you know what? I All during the pandemic, when we were locked down, I was like, as soon as I can travel again, I want to go to all the places I hadn't been. And Australia was on my list. Little did I know my agent was going to call me and say, hey, do you want to go to Australia? They're going to pay you all this money to go and live in a house with a couple of people. And it was just a phenomenal experience to meet all the people. But, you know, Caitlyn didn't stay very long. She was running for governor at the time that we were taping the show. <laughs> which was really weird. So she wow. took a break from her campaign and she wow. decided to come shoot a reality show in the middle of running for governor. So yeah, that was a little you, bizarre. Were, but anyway. Were you thinking about voting for her? <laughs> 
I would vote for a flea before I voted for that publicity stunt. It was just a publicity stunt for her, and she wasn't taking it very seriously. I think running for office and representing the people of the great state of California should be a very serious um, endeavor, as opposed to something that she trivialized just to kind of get new TV deals and book deals. So um, shame on her for not taking it very seriously. But you know what, Amarosa, let's go back to what you said. This was your 120th, 27th, something like that reality show. What makes you the queen of reality? What do you think it is that people are drawn to about you? Because they know when we put Amarosa on, we got a show. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to accept the queen title because I I think there's some others that just do it. They do it so much bigger and so much better. But I do it a little a little different in the sense that I'm, you know, I'm in it for my coins and longevity. So (laughs) I'm not flipping tables or doing anything like that. But I do make good TV. So I wouldn't say I'm the queen, but definitely longevity has always been important to me in this business. And Lonnie, you know, it's and, and Yo-Yo, especially, you know, it's really difficult to stay in this business doing things that you love for as long as I have. I'm going on 19 years, 18, wow. 19 years now. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you? I remember when you got in and I said, Woo, who is this powerful soul sister <laughs> taking no names and looking like she's about to run everybody's business? It was great watching you. And you, know- and you know what? From the first moment that I met Yo-Yo, just the kindest sweetest, genuine person I ever met in Hollywood. And I, the first time I met you, I was, first of all, I was such a big fan. So I was fangirling and you were just like, Hey, sis, nice to be. And I was like, did Yo-Yo just speak to me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still fangirling. Every time I see you, I fangirl. She'll tell y'all I started rapping and all that. (laughs) We love it. It's, (laughs) It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Amarosa. Amarosa, you want a big ass lawsuit against Donald Trump. Congratulations. <laughs> tell us about it. <laughs> well, before I go into the lawsuit, I have to tell y'all that I started my first year at Southern University Law School. It's my fourth HBCU. And so I'm a law student studying oh, law. Nice. And- <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So I um, had this lawsuit had been going on for so long. And after my brother's death, I said, Oh, I'm gonna go to law school, but I didn't have time. And then uh, the pandemic happened. And so I started studying for the LSAT. And then like you said, I got hit by this huge lawsuit. Uh, The president sued me. And so I thought, what better time than to go to law school now? So yes, um, I just finished my first semester at Southern. And um, at the same time that I was in law school, the uh, judge had decided to make a decision about the case. So we knew that the decision was coming down in like two or three weeks. And to my delight, um, they ruled in my favor. And I did. I just won a lawsuit, $3.7 million against the president. Wow. Wow. Okay. But can you remind everybody what he was trying to do? I know it had to do with non-disclosure where you weren't allowed to talk about anything and you went and talked about stuff. And so what was the lawsuit about? So I launched my book, Unhinged, um, New York Times bestseller. But before it came out, he tried to block the book. He didn't want it published. And then um, when he couldn't block the book, he sued me for uh, talking about my experiences in the White House. But as you all know, you're taxpayers. You pay the salary of everyone in the White House. So you have a right to know what happens in the Oval Office or Air Force One in the cabinet room. And so um, you, you can't really... Um, 
try to keep a person from sharing those particular public experiences. And so he tried to enact uh, an NDA that said, I couldn't talk about Donald Trump for the rest of my life. Mm. Crazy. And um, the arbitrator said, you can't do that because of the First Amendment. And so, um, but he spent a lot of money. I think he spent about $6 million on the lawsuit. Wow. And you would have to think, what was in my book that would make Donald Trump spend all that money to try to um, silence me? What, what what was in there? That... <laughs> buy, gotta, buy the you, book. Buy the you got to buy the book <laughs> to see what's in it, Angelique. <laughs> Dang. Was like, well, well, <laughs> it's like unhinged. Just send me that paragraph. Just send just, me that let me get this another gift for you, Angelique. Unhinged. Just order from Amazon. Your middle <laughs> name. Unhinged. Do you never forget that? Amarosa, you know, what I like and what I respect about you is that you are authentic to yourself. And you do, I think, what you believe Cause like we are all looking, go like, what is Amarosa doing? What is she doing with Donald Trump? <laughs> and then you turn a switch. Cause a lot of black folks were upset when you went to work for Donald Trump. They really were. What did you What did you think of those people? Did you have a plan? Did you know that you were doing something for the greater good <laughs> at that time? Well, first of all, you know what? I I can understand why people were upset, um, but I don't. I, I, I believe that God is the author and finisher of my faith. And there's no way that you could make up this story of my life that the guy that I joined a reality show with in 2003 <laughs> would ultimately become the president of the United States. Like you can't even make that stuff up. Right. And for people without a historical perspective about how I got to know Donald would think I just woke up one day and decided to go into the White House with him where the case was completely different. We had known each other for all these years and he said, I'm going to run for office. You've worked in the White House before. You all know I worked in the Clinton White House. Right. And you're probably the only person I know that has White House experience. Come and oversee this aspect of my campaign. And no one thought he was going to win, Lonnie. I mean, the truth right. of the matter is people were yeah. laughing at him. They had him on the cover of newspapers with the clown nose on. Y'all remember that? Yeah. So my decision to go at the time to support Donald Trump really was all of us were sitting back thinking, okay, he's not he's never going to win. But when he did win and I was the only African-American at the table, the mm -hmm. really difficult decision was, do I leave the table because everybody is upset that I'm there or do I stay and take the bumps and the bruises and make sure that our interests at least were represented, that there was somebody to advocate and ring the alarm if he decided to do insane stuff, which is what he did. Almost like what Cube was doing. Yeah. You know, Cube took a lot of heat for that conversation that he had. But I can tell you that the way the press presented it and, the, and what he was trying to do was not, you know, what people came to understand of what the conversation was about and how people criticized him. It was two different things. And he really did have a genuine intent to help the economic development of our people. But people jumped on him as well. But see, the difference for me is I really don't care what people mm -hmm. think because okay. I only answer <laughs> to one call. You know, you know, we saw during the pandemic when Donald had the ability to give all this millions of dollars, what was it, PPE money or you mm -hmm. know, payroll? Folks sure were lining up to get checks from Donald at that point. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, there was no one to call because all, you know, all the folks that were still at the table who could have still been at the table fighting, you know, 
folks were just so critical that there was no one at the table when billions and billions of dollars were distributed. So when you ask the question, Lonnie, about people being upset and so forth, I really don't get into the weeds of what people think about me. And I know that sounds kind of distant or whatever, but the truth of the matter is when you're in public eye this long, you come to realize that people don't even like themselves. Mm-hmm. So how can you expect them to like you? Mm-hmm. And I don't allow people to give them license over what I do with my life. I know what God said to me. <laughs> you know, I know what God's plan for my life is. And I also know the word. I, I remember the story of Esther where she was in a place where she had to do things she didn't like. And her people said, if you do not do this, your people will perish. And so I answered to a different calling. So all the people who were mad or upset, you know, I always say, do better than me. Like uh-huh. go into public office. Uh-huh. Don't try to, to make change and try to please 300 million black people. <laughs> <laughs> learn, or three. Or hard three. <laughs> you'll learn how hard it is to get consensus, like you said, among 300 people. Nonetheless, all the millions of African-Americans that I heard from all over the country, some weren't supportive, some support, some people were not as supportive. And that's okay. That's all right, because I'll just keep putting one foot in front of the other and moving forward. You know, when all this stuff was happening, Omarosa, was um, for people out there, was it difficult in your relationship with your husband and your husband's church? Was, was, was that pressure on you? No, I mean, God bless me. Y'all knew, y'all knew Michael and how much I love Michael Clark Duncan. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was broken after he died. And I truly thought, you know, I'll never love the same way. There's no way I could ever find someone that I was just so equally yoked with. And then, you know, God sent me John Allen Newman. And uh, not only is he an incredible man of God, but he is a principled person. And so while I was going through that storm, he was my anchor. And I never had issues with him or the church. In fact, my, the, the women in the church, the, the, the church members were my biggest supporters and biggest cheerleaders. And it was my sanctuary. I could come from Washington to Jacksonville and always have someone praying for me and, and just covering me because I was in the middle of a really crazy storm in Washington. But I always had this community of faith that um, prayed for me covered me and looked out for me. And that was the difference for me during my time in Washington. Amarosa, I want to move forward. When you look at where we are now with elected officials who have been in office for decades, refusing to say that Donald Trump lost that election fair and square, did you ever think that we would be here? That that the officials that have done this forever would still be clinging on to this idea of Donald Trump? I don't understand how we have so many cowards who are afraid to stand up for what's right, afraid to call it what it is, has a complete disconnection of reality. It's just, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I say in my book, I say in my studies, because I can't stand watching the news mm-hmm. because it just is, I mean, it's just so upsetting. And I think for African-Americans, particularly who are hoping that there's this incredible change was going to come in. And then you see this obstruction of the Republicans who will not allow the Biden agenda to move forward. It just becomes very frustrating. So it's it's very surprising to me, um, the type of people that you see who have the ability to be change agents, but they've decided to be cowards and squander an opportunity to really make effective change in this country. Do you think he'll run again, Trump, for 2024? You know, I think it'll be really hard to run uh, for president from jail, but I'm sure he'll try. (laughs) 
So that that to you is the <laughs> ultimate takedown for him is just throw him in jail. Stories over. One of those cases is going to snag him. I'm not sure which one, but one of them will bring him down. And I always think about the fact that the mob was brought down because of a simple tax return. Yeah. And so I think it'd be very difficult for him to run because I truly believe that one of those cases is going to be the turning point for him and his family. All of them going question. to jail. What about Sleepy Joe? And where is Kamala? Kamala. Wait, did you call him Sleepy Kamala. Joe? Shame on you. Shame <laughs> oh, on you. Um, I have to tell my Biden stories because I'm on here. I was a young staffer, fresh out of Howard, running around on the Hill. And I once ran into um, the Congressman Joe Joe Biden. And I mean, when I say ran into him, I literally ran into the man. And he was just, oh, you know, Marshall, you go, you're okay. You know, he kept going. I remember having that encounter, but anytime I saw him, he remembered that I was the person that, you know, clumsily ran into him. Um, he's a, he's actually a good guy. I think that it's hard to lead uh, the older you get. So I'm hoping that in the future we have younger representation, but um, that job zaps you. Hell, yes. I was losing my mind after six months in the White House. I can't imagine being the president. Yeah, I can. I know. Yeah. And, well, we, we definitely love him and support him. Because it started out in Al Gore's office, I understand what the role of the vice president is. And the, the role of the vice president is really not to be seen or heard, to be honest. Right. They're like the backup. And so when people say she's not doing anything, the truth is she's not really empowered to do much of anything unless he assigns that particular policy to her. Uh-huh. And so to her defense, they've given her the most difficult policies uh, to navigate immigration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give immigration to my worst enemy. <laughs> this is an issue that you cannot resolve. Um, and, and some of the other things that they have assigned to her are no-win missions. And so the system's been set up, if you ask me. It's a setup from the get-up. You know what? Amarosa, I, I, this is the reason why we like talking to you, because you give it to us, you give it to us raw, and you give us to us in the truth. But you also do it in a classy and intelligent way, much better than Angelique could ever do. So, <laughs> thank oh, you. <laughs> Our book is called, hey, Amarosa, I'm used to it. We've been together for a decade now. I'm used to it. <laughs> Used to the abuse. Amarosa, the book is called Unhinged. Go read that paragraph that Donald Trump was so afraid of. Thank you, Amarosa. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Amarosa. The tide is turning blue in Georgia. Marcus Flowers is among the people in Georgia's congressional race. He's an Army vet trying to get Marjorie Taylor Greene kicked out of Congress. He's next on Cafe Mocha. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. 
More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. November was a good month for Democrats in Georgia. The election saw seven seats turn blue. Earlier in the year, we got a chance to talk to Marcus Flowers, who's running against Marjorie Taylor Greene in rural Georgia. Welcome to Cafe Mocha, Marcus. All right. Thank you for having me. Hey, Marcus, you know, before we even get into anything, Will you just, in your own words, tell anyone who might not have watched the news lately who Marjorie Taylor Green is? Oh, well, Representative Green represents Georgia's 14th congressional district. She is widely believed to be the queen of QAnon, a huge Trump acolyte, and just an all-around not good person, in my opinion. And I also think that she helped incite the interaction on January 6th by some of her comments prior to that day, inviting people to come to the Capitol to, quote, unquote, take back our country. That's who Marjorie Taylor Greene is, in case you've been living on the moon somewhere or been in a cabin for the last year and haven't had Internet or a phone. Mm. Well, yeah. well, Marcus, we want to ask you, um, you are an Army vet running as a Democrat against Green. What was the trigger for you to say, this is it, I have to do something? Well, that story goes back to May of last year when I watched George Floyd being murdered on the streets by Officer Chauvin, uh, held his knee on his neck for some nine minutes. Uh, that's when I decided to, at the time I was a government official, uh, considered myself nonpartisan, kind of stayed silent on politics. Uh, shortly after that, I got active and started you know, talking to people, looking at becoming an activist, helping out with political campaigns. I made my first political contributions. I got on Twitter for the first time in June. Um, and then fast forward to July when both John Lewis and C.T. Vivian died on the same day. Mm -hmm. I saw John Lewis's last message to us saying, answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. Then I started helping out with the Democrat who was running against Green here in Georgia's 14th uh, until he dropped out of the race due to personal issues and threats that he and his wife had received. Um, fast forward to January 6th, watched that in horror. And at that point in time, I said, you know, this is, it's mission critical. After seeing all of these events take place, seeing the country so divided, seeing misinformation, disinformation being spread rampantly throughout our country, uh, and just watching a Confederate battle flag paraded through the Capitol Rotunda 
police officers being beaten with American flags and sprayed with pepper spray and bear spray. That became mission critical for me. The very next day, I called my supervisor and said, you know, I'm resigning my post as a government official. I'm going to run for Congress. He wasn't surprised, mm-hmm. and he wished me luck. And I worked my last few weeks in government and did exactly what I was saying I was going to do, which was what? answer that highest calling in my heart, standing and, up. And what is that, that stand-up call? What are you actually trying to bring forth? I'm trying to bring back decency, integrity, honor in Congress trying to tone down the white hot rhetoric on both sides that we've been seeing lately. You know, I'm running to give people a choice this time. As you know, we didn't have a a choice here in Georgia 15 because the Democrat dropped out of the race months before the election too late for the party to replace him. And Mm -hmm. secretary of state wasn't going to allow that to happen anyway. So I'm running to give people that choice. It's going to be a choice between chaos and stability. You know, it's going to be a choice between someone who thinks that 9-11 was a hoax. Which is exactly. what Marjorie Taylor Greene said, by the way. Right. You know, but, and between someone who was actively serving the country on 9-11 and subsequently spent a decade in war zones afterwards. So that's I want what to I'm talk running about. to give people a clear choice. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. We're talking to politician Marcus Flowers, who is running uh, for Congress against Marjorie Taylor Greene. And you know, Marcus, you often are shown in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. What's the story and the message behind that? There's really no message behind it. It's something that I, my grandfather was a sheriff and a farmer. He wore cowboy hats. So growing up as a kid, I would always see him in cowboy hats. It was something that I admired about him and respected him. You know, seeing him around town, you know, taking people to and from jail or whatever, and doing his job. And he was a respected man in the community. And I always respected that about him as well. I couldn't pull it off until later in life, but, you know, something I watched my father do as well, the cowboy hats, the boots. And that's just who I am, a country boy at heart. And I tell people a lot of times, you know, my style is a little bit more West Texas than West Georgia, but... I was going to say, that was my next question. I mean, I was raised in North Carolina, and I don't know a lot of, uh, I don't know a lot of brothers walking around in cowboy hats outside of Texas. So how does that go over in in Georgia overall? I live in rural Georgia, and people, they love it. I kind of stand out a little bit. People love to come up and talk to me, and it's a real icebreaker, we can just say that. I've always worn the belt buckles. But people love it. You know, it's, and there are more people here in Georgia who wear cowboy hats and boots than you would think. But right. as I tell people, that is that is my style, and it is a little more West Texas than West Georgia. But I've been all over the world, been all over the country. People are people no matter where you go. You know, on that note, you spent a decade in combat zones around the world. Um, you worked as a government contractor on four continents. You've seen firsthand the damage that's been done by extremism in other countries, a disinformation in other countries. How has your military and government service influenced your life and prepared you to serve in Congress? Well, you know, on that note, when we talk about extremism and radicalization, yeah. you know, I had a chance to go to Camp Bukha uh, in southern Iraq, and that's if you, if you remember, that's where Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi came from, the guy who started al-Qaeda in Iraq and widely believed to be the godfather of ISIS. I've looked into our enemies' eyes and seen the hate there. Mm-hmm. I see Congresswoman Green bringing that same type of energy, and not just Congresswoman Green. You have news outlets that 
propagate this misinformation and disinformation. And we have a significant portion of the country, in my opinion, who are radicalized by QAnon. You know, that's that same energy that lost me friends and colleagues in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I just can't stand by and watch that happen here. I had to stand up. As far as my experience in the military and government contracting and being a government official, my background is in logistics and compliance. I'm used to working within a system and with different people with different voices and opinions to get things done, pouring over doctrine and regulations and working with voluntary consent standards or best practices to make things happen for the American people. I mean, it's been my, America's simply been my life for the last 27 years. And I joined the army at 18 and finished up my career a short while ago as a government official looking to serve longer. But America's been my life. You know, while Congresswoman Green was wasting her father's money at University of Georgia, I was leading soldiers on real world missions. We're talking to Marcus Flowers running for Congress in Georgia against Marjorie Taylor Greene. The conversation continues on. So do you agree that it's time to bring our soldiers home? You know, when I had some very personal feelings about that, having been there. And, you know, I helped train Afghan National Army, Afghan National Police. You know, all the work, the blood and treasure that we spent there. I have personal feelings about that. I'm mm-hmm. not condone nor can dim the actions that our president's taking. I'd like to see things in a better place in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. But I agree, a decision had to be made and bringing the troops home after 20 years. I think it's uh, yeah, not, not, not a bad call, but I'd like to see the Afghans in a better place to be able to, to protect themselves. I'd like to see the police in a better place. And they're not. Well, for those who want to follow you and your campaign, where can they find you? If you want to follow me and Please do go to marcusforgeorgia.com. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-F-O-R-G-E-O-R-G-I-A.com. And donate our campaign. We're a grassroots campaign. We don't accept corporate PAC money as Congresswoman Green does. So we rely on donations from small dollar donors. Who has endorsed your campaign, if, if yet? I've been endorsed by Vote Vets, uh, No Dem Left Behind. Uh, Ambassador Andrew Young endorsed our campaign. Uh, former Georgia Senator and disabled veteran Max Cleveland endorsed our campaign. Uh, and there's, we're working on a couple of other big endorsements right now, so we'll wait and see as those come out and maybe we can come back on and let everyone know a little bit later. Definitely. Well, we wish you luck, Marcus Flowers. We really, really okay. do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Loving our brothers, men with strength, wisdom, assertive, and genuine in their spirit. It's the Cafe Mocha Swag. Hosted by Rashawn McDonald. Rashawn McDonald for Money Making Conversations. This week, I sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner, Jonathan Morris. Jonathan is a serial entrepreneur and the host of the Magnolia Network television series, Self-Employed. Whether the series inspires you to start a small business or motivates you to support one, Jonathan sees it being a win-win situation. Here's what he had to say. You know, your personality really helps the series, okay? You know, you're meeting different people, but you engage and you you you, you have a welcoming personality, Jonathan. And I think that really helps the series. Well, you know, you know, Rashad, like I'm just curious, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I'm sitting down and talking with these these entrepreneurs, you know, in a lot of ways I can empathize with a lot of the things they've been going through. Right. Um, and so, you know, so long as they allow me to just uh, be myself 
uh, and ask the questions that I would want to <laughs> ask, you know, ask folks, even if the cameras weren't even rolling, right. mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think that that's what has made the show fun. And, you know, people um, have been really inspired by it. And I hope that more people see um, the the people that we're, we're featuring on the show and, you know, they, they, they take the leap to, to pursue right. their own dreams. And um, even if, it, even if they're not entrepreneurs, right. we hope that this, this show really helps people to know that I, even supporting entrepreneurs, supporting small businesses, um, we can all play a part in, in what that looks like in our communities. If you want to hear the full Jonathan Morris interview, visit moneymakingconversations.com. Keep winning. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. It's Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, Angelique, and Yo-Yo. Okay, I'm going to tell y'all something. What? We have had our first Black female president. President yep. of what, Lonnie? Right. Of the United States, Kamala Harris was president for 84 minutes while <laughs> Joe Biden was put under anesthesia oh. uh, having a colonoscopy. So we've had our first black female president. She's, so, yes, <laughs> I wish she would have did that in student debt while she, during them 84 minutes. You know, she could have <laughs> she could have done something right. Done something for the HBCUs. <laughs> out some student loans that would have been nice <laughs> gave out some home loans <laughs> right the home loans for me <laughs> i just thought that that was interesting that you know and it, it was done very quietly but you know a lot of people have been saying that you know she's been very uh quiet but she actually did a five-day stint over in france mm-hmm. where she met with the french prime minister uh she signed some deals Um, And she's been doing work quietly, like, you know, quietly, which is what vice presidents normally do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, vice presidents, who even remembers half of them? Right. But but that's all you hear nowadays is where's Kamala? Kamala is not. I'm like, I'm thinking, like, when do you really hear of the vice president? You don't really. No. I mean, that's the job of the the vice president is to be in the back doing other stuff. And in case of anesthesia or in case of whatever else, <laughs> they pop up and do, you know, what needs to be done or stand in. I guess my concern is we know that she wanted to run for president like mm-hmm. Dan Quayle was never Dan Quayle was never going to be president. There was never a threat that he was going to step into the presidency. Uh, But I wonder, like, because approval ratings for Joe Biden are low and Kamala are low, I wonder if she's wishing maybe she wouldn't have taken that role so she could try to run on her own. Because in four years, I mean, is she going to be able to run? I mean, unless she get those approval ratings up, the point is she's historic. Yeah. She's made history. And sometimes you take what you can take. And, you know, you never know the future. Yeah. It, it can always change. So the approval ratings can always change. Something could make people, you know, change. But I, I think what we're trying to do as a country is to show that women can be as powerful and in power. Women can be mm-hmm. empowered like men can be in power. We can't get over that that hump yet. So when she was elected, that helped us to at least provide a stepping stone to show that women can, you know, be in power. You know, you just have to keep doing that. That's the only thing that you can with something like that. 
You know, it just bothers me so much that we're supposed to be the great United States of America. And you look around at other countries, countries that aren't as great as we are. They've had women leaders before. Why are we still dealing with this? Well, because we're also dealing with a systemic racism, um, which is also dealing with sexism. I'm Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo. Until next weekend, you can find us on all platforms, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer, Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary funky divas in vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.